Howdy, friends, and welcome to episode 11 of our series through the book of Titus. And we have been talking about Titus chapter 1, verse 5, forever, for like three days. So what we are talking about, if you're just joining us today, is that Titus is told by Paul in verse 5 that he has left him there on the island of Crete to set in order the things that are lacking. So to put in order the things that were lacking in the churches there and appoint elders in every town as I commanded you. So he's saying, hey, go set up, let's go set up a pastor in these towns, set up, you know, put someone in, in place. And it's important the kind of person you put in place. And so Paul is going to kind of give him um, a little checklist of things to consider when you're putting a guy in place, when you're putting somebody in position of the pastor, this is something, these are the traits you should be looking for. Now, this is important for us to know, right? Because if you are a member of the church, if you are a part of God's family, if you attend a church small C, there may be a time where your congregation is looking for leadership. And as I mentioned last few days, it's very easy for churches to look at other qualifications rather than the biblical qualifications. It's very easy to get hung up on things like what he knows, what he's done before. A lot of, I mean, I've seen, honestly, I've seen hundreds and hundreds of resumes for pastor positions. When I when I was in a, at a church where a pastor was being hired, we, we, we received hundreds of resumes. And oftentimes they would, um, you know, they're, they're posting that what they've done, you know, their education, the churches they've worked at. A lot of times you'd say, oh, took a church from 100 people to 1,000 people in three years. Took a church of 22 people and, you know, grew to 500 in six months. You know, that was not an uncommon thing. And so churches see that and they go, ooh, ooh, wow, this guy can do some stuff. And the hard part is determining the character of the man. I am currently interviewing people for a position, uh, a youth working position, and I have to hire a lot of people for this position. And the trick for me is the discernment of character, because that's the same thing we see here with Paul. I'm not appointing them, but I'm hiring them to do a job. But the job is a job that is a role model position. And so I tell most of them, I don't care what you know. I can teach you to do most of the things you're going to need to do in this job. However, this is a job for person of character. And I am very clear about what's required. I'm very clear about the character traits that are needed. I ask them about these character traits, what they mean to them, why they're important to them. And sometimes they can't tell me why it's important to them or if it's important to me or, or important to them or even what the words might mean. But I'm, I'm very clear about things like, look, if you don't live up to the up to these these values that you're going to be um, espousing to children, know this: the kids will call you out. The kids will call you out if you're being a hypocrite. If you're not, and so I'll tell them like, if you if this is not you, if you're not a person that cares about things like respect and and integrity, honor, um, hard work, dignity, you know. If, you, if these are things are not important to you, if you can't put other people first, if you can't set aside your your own um, your own uh, attitudes and uh, and stuff and and serve others, this is not the job for you. You'll hate it. And so I find it very much talking people out of it. But I have a, a series of questions that I use um, to help try to discern their character. But ultimately, here's the truth, and I tell them this: 
you can totally fool me. You can tell me all the right answers and I'll believe all the stuff you say. And you can fool me and you can get the job. So this is what we do. We call people's references. You know, we contact people that know them. And, and are those people going to tell you the truth? Well, maybe, maybe not. Sometimes I'm amazed at how honest people are about the people, you know, that we tell them, hey, we're talking about this. We're going to call you about this person. Yeah, I wouldn't hire them. Like, whoa, okay, thanks. Um, but that's the challenge, right, is determining true character. And so this is the kind of thing that that uh, Paul kind of gives Titus here. A little bit of like a checklist. Look at these guys. Look to see if these things are evident. You know, look at their life, look at their character and see if these see look for these things. So verse six, he he's going to well, he's going to lift off a number of things. Right. So he says, you know, point for yourself, elders. If a man is blameless, the husband of one wife, having faithful children, not accused of dissipation or insubordination. For a bishop must be blameless, a steward of God, not self-willed, not quick-tempered, not given to wine, not violent, not greedy for money, but hospitable, a lover of what is good, sober-minded, just, holy, self-controlled, holding fast the faithful word as he has been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and convict those who contradict. All right, so that's quite a list. And it's probably going to take us, I don't know, six months to a year to go through it. Maybe not. Maybe maybe a week. I don't know. So here's the thing about this list. This is a list that we look at and we'll say like, okay, this is a list that someone who's going to be a church elder or a, a pastor of the church, whether that's you know associate pastor, youth pastor, whatever, they need to meet these qualifications. These are the things we're looking for. And as I said a few days back, Sometimes in a young church, a new church with new believers or young believers, you might not find somebody with all these characteristics. It's very challenging. Um, but here's the thing as a member of the church, as a member of the church, these are the things you're looking for, you know, for those people that should be in leadership. But let, let me just say this. It's very easy to hold pastors to a higher standard than you hold yourself. You know, and the Bible talks about that, talks about that in the book of James. You know, not everybody should um, desire to be a teacher because teachers are going to be judged at a higher standard. But I think there's a danger when we start to require things of other people that we don't require of ourselves. You know, having, having spent a lot of time as a pastor and knowing um, dozens of other pastors and fellowshipping with them and speaking with them and, you know, commiserating oftentimes with the, the difficulties that they were having. Um, when I was a youth pastor, um, I was very blessed in the church that I was a part of, and the people there uh, were were great, and the leadership, um, for the most part, um, were fantastic. Um, and it was a great experience for me. And I was so, I, I had so much freedom to serve there. And I would have to, I would talk with fellow youth pastors, and oh, man, the I, I would just be so blessed when they shared. I'd be like, oh man, I've got it so good. I've got it so good. I am not experiencing what these people are. Um, because there were times where the congregation was holding them up to, expecting them to to do more, far beyond anything anyone else in the church would do. And to live in a, you know, live in a way that no one else in the church was expected to live. And the same goes for the senior pastors. And 
so it's one of those things that I think is, uh, uh, as we read this, I think these should be goals for us as people to say, look, these are the standards of, of a, a person who should be in leadership. I should be striving for these things. You know, the first one he says, if a man is blameless. Other versions of the Bible say things like, if anyone is above reproach. Um, another another one, uh, you know, the, well, I guess the most common, NIV, blameless, New Living Translation, you know, must live a blameless life, ASV, uh, if any man is blameless, King James Version, if, yeah, if any be blameless, um, the Darby, I believe, is if anyone be free from all charges against him. Um, but the idea, you know, is is blameless, above reproach. If somebody, the, the person should not have a bad reputation, right? This shouldn't be one of those things where, oh, yeah, there's, you know, he's the same. People shouldn't be like, he's a nice guy, but he's got a temper. Or he's a nice guy, but, you know, he... He sometimes, you know, the idea is that people shouldn't have things against this guy. You, it, it, and that's kind of where he starts. It's like they should be have this character that it's not. If if anybody says anything negative about him, it's it's. Oh yeah, he's, you know, he's a little too spiritually minded. You know, th those kind of things that sometimes people, well, you know, he's kind of got his nose in the Bible all the time. Oh no, you know, oh he's. You know, with him, everything's Jesus. You know, those aren't bad things. Some people treat them that way. But there should be no accusation, you know, against him. So, so does that mean he's perfect? No, no. But there's a certain aspect of Christian maturity where you recognize when somebody has something against me, when someone else in the church has something against me, that I go and I do whatever I can to rectify and reconcile the relationship where I can go to that person before I come to the Lord and offer my gift and say, I, you know, I know that you have this issue with me. And so can we talk about this? Can we clear this up? Is there a way, you know, and that's important. That's important for us to be right with our, with our fellow believers. It's far too easy, even in a small church to sit in the same pew every week, knowing that they're going to sit in the same pew every week on the other side, far away, where you don't have to talk to them. And you can just hold on to that grudge. And that's not acceptable. That's not that's not godly character. That's not forgiveness. That's not grace. And so that kind of person shouldn't be in leadership. And if that kind of person is you, well, get your act together. First, go to the Lord and repent. God, forgive me for holding on to this grudge, for holding on to this this anger or resentment or whatever toward this person. Forgive me for not dealing with maybe their anger and resentment towards me when I need to go and say, look, you know, years ago, I know we had some issues. And I just hope that, you know, I, that if you haven't already, I, I just ask for your forgiveness, you know, and that may not be enough for them, but at least you took the try. At least you, you tried. At least you took the steps. And Usually what I've found in the church is when somebody does that, there's a great sense of peace and relief because the other person's like, yes, thank you. I forgive you. doesn't mean the relationship's going to suddenly be buddy buddies, but 
when it comes down to it, are you going to be a person who is now blameless? Or is there some person still in the church sitting there blaming you? Anyway, if you're going to hold your pastor to a certain uh, a certain standard, you know, hold yourself to that standard too. God bless you. We'll hit the next word in the list next time.